And now another episode of Mind Escape with Michael and Maurice. Take it away, Michael. All right, folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 38 today. Uh, We are going to sit down with uh, the author of the book, uh, DMT and the Occult Mind, uh, and we present to you Dick Kahn. Hey, folks, how you doing? So, uh, Dick, so yeah, I uh, bought your your book on Kindle last night, and um, first 10 pages kind of grabbed me. Um, I like the way it started, and actually... Uh, we've done a few episodes on uh, Rudolf Steiner ourselves, and I saw that the beginning was you had a quote um, at the beginning of your book. Um, what kind of uh, influence did he have on, on you know this this work? And I know you talk about Madame Blavatsky as well. Okay, that's, um, Blavatsky was a huge influence. I've got to be honest, Steiner not so much. I'm not particularly well read with Steiner, but I fully understand the scope the depth and the influence of that gentleman I, in fact i think his work is just so vast I'm, I'm probably it's probably foreboding to sort of where do i start but i managed to tease that one quote out and i i, I liked it i you know it, it resonated with me so much i thought that's got to be the the first quote in the book so that's why that's there but must confess not as well read with steiner i say with blavatsky I'm right there with you. I started to uh, listen to some of his lectures, and I was at work, and I, I you have to pay full attention to that stuff to really grasp it. It's mm-hmm. pretty pretty heady stuff. So, and uh, I'll just read the quote here real quick. And it's, Thank you. it is, uh, and what uh, what is it the that is the most beautiful about the psychic spiritual? The most beautiful, the loftiest thing about it is the fact that though. The forces of humans of the human soul. What is uh, organic can be transformed uh, into what is the soul nature. Uh, Rudolf Steiner from uh, Occult uh, Physiology. Yeah, I mean, just in one one short sentence, the gentleman speaking in terms of aeons of evolution. You know, he, he's I guess suggesting for our consideration that. Humankind will, albeit very, very, very slowly, un- undergo a, ch- a change from the physical, from the organic, in- into something soulful and spiritual. And I think that that's clearly one of the tenets of esoteric and occult philosophy. Uh, so just to unpackage that word before we really get started, occult, um, some people associate it with you know, not necessarily evil, but yeah, there's some sort of negative connotation. People misuse it a lot. Um, it actually just means hidden or like hidden knowledge. Um, and, uh, I know people like to give it a bad connotation. Uh, but, uh, I think that with your work and other people's work, and I've seen it used properly too recently, uh, and other people's work as well. Uh, I think it's just kind of changing the term to, you know, back to what it initially was, which just mean, meant hidden, you know. Yeah, well said, Mike. And it, it is regrettably, uh, it, it's a taboo word, and there are not too many taboo words left out there, but occult certainly is one of them. And as you say, it merely means hidden. Uh, obviously, that's its, its lightest definition. There's a whole lot more hinging behind that, but... Yeah, it it does regrettably come with a lot of nefarious connotations and uh, certainly in mainstream media, you know, it's associated with those kinds of things and that's that's regrettable and it was 
was purposeful me putting a cult in the title to try and work towards rehabilitating the the proper use of that term that word yeah do you uh before let's talk about before you got into um dmt and started doing this were you somewhat of a spiritual person i know in your book you talk about when you're a kid and you had an out of body uh out of body experience but were you growing up did you have some sort of you know other than that interest in like the mystical or you know the occult style uh esoteric books and that kind of stuff yeah, I, I think when I got into my early 20s, mid-20s, I, I, I met an individual who, you know, he had an influence on me and it kind of turned me on to that way of thinking. And, you know, I mean, but what was significant is that the books I read, and again, it's principally Blavatsky, they chimed so much with me and I considered, you know, this is what I've been looking for. This is this is the information and the knowledge that I have been thirsting for. And I drank and drank and drank from those works, you know. As I say, it's exactly what I've been looking for. Now, when you uh, started doing DMT for the first time... Um, what was your initial reaction like after you had done it one, two, three times? Um, we'll get into how many times you've done it and, and how that's affected your work. But let's talk about first the first couple times. Um, what was the initial thought afterwards? And then did you have was the was there any experience in the first few times that was more intense or more profound than or was it the first time? Well, you know, it's like I guess Dare I say, it's a little bit like losing your virginity, I suppose, first time. You know, it might not be the best, but in some strange way, it always remains special. Possibly not the most special, but but certainly special. And my first time was just, it was just a few milligrams, and I had no idea really how to smoke it. So I was fashioning makeshift pipes, and, and the few milligrams that I tried first time was pipe fashion from an, an aluminium can, you know, and a, a cheap lighter and my, my wife looking over me disapprovingly <laughs> and, you know, and I managed to sit up and took this first hit and just, you know, it's an inhalation from just a few milligrams, but my God, the, the power and the potency of, of just that inhalation, you know, I mean, that was just astonishing. So it's not what you'd call a, a breakthrough dose, but, yeah, I mean, very quickly the room became incredibly crystal clear. This sound in my head, this rising tone, and you know the the dimpled finish on the ceiling all became rainbow spectral colours. And yeah, you know, it's just 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 incredible. And then from there, I, I worked out how I uh, how I should smoke it. You know, I, I got a pipe. I got a torch flame lighter. I think second time was 15 milligrams in the bedroom, daylight conditions, smoked it, laid back. And, and within seconds, there was this like the cinemagraph imagery of, of me and my family. You know, I'm married. I've got a couple of young boys. And we were just like, it was like projected on the ceiling. And I'm in, I was like absolutely rational minded. But me and my family are up there on this like cinemagraph walking hand in hand it was such a beautiful scene 
And I have no idea how that came to be there, but it, it was there. And then from there, I, I upped my dose to 20, 25 milligrams. I was smoking in small area at the top of the stairs. You know, it's pretty confined. And from there, I guess, guess I was experiencing what, what are commonly called breakthrough doses. And, you know, you, you three toes, you lay back an incredible amount of energy within just a few seconds. And then for sure, it looks like you're in a, a different world, peopled with strange objects, impossible things to describe, you know, and, and then you come back, you're like, oh, my God, what the hell is that? Where have I just been? And, yeah, well, that's what were but what were your uh, intentions when you did it the first time? Sorry to interrupt you, but were you just trying to experiment with it because you read about it, or were you trying to reach some spiritual plateau? Um, I think it was – well, I, I, I'd not heard about it until I just chanced upon the Spirit Molecule, the documentary with um, Strassman and others. And, I mean, that just, just set – I was just goosebumps all the way through. I mean, especially when he got to the volunteers – <laughs> explaining what they'd experienced under the um, intravenous, um, you know, um, exposure to DMT. And I just knew, I thought, I didn't even know you could smoke it. And I hate needles, but I just knew, I thought, I have got to try it. It's made for me. I've got to try it. And as I researched it, and I, you know, thankfully, I, I found out you could actually smoke this stuff. And, you know, I, I'd smoked, been a pot smoker. So I knew I had the capacity, the lung capacity to do it. So, that's really, that was what got me started. So let's talk about uh, the, the, the underlying theme, I guess, from what I got from what I've read so far of your book, um, is that you knew that there was something else to this, or you knew that there was some hidden realm, or there's more to life than just what meets the eye, kind of, is what, the, what I got from it. Mm, yeah, I mean, it did, but it didn't start out like that. And you did ask what what my intentions were. So let me answer that question and come come back to that. So sure. yeah, so I'd read so many. I mean, look, I, I I I bought the bag which is necessary for extracting the DMT, and I had that for months and months and months. And I read and read and read so many online trip reports and i thought okay maybe this is going to happen maybe this is going to happen it all sounds so bizarre and when i first started i you know there was no fear it was just complete curiosity and you know i've outlined my first few trips and and you know i mean having experienced those it's like it didn't matter what i'd read about anybody else's trip it was just like oh my god God, this, how the hell can this be? And it's like everybody else's trip reports just went out of the window. It's such an intense experience. I was like, oh, my God, how can that be? Shaking my head, total disbelief. And then, you know, I, I think it was about after about 50 experiments, you know, in the bedroom, in the landing, I thought, you know what, this is just so unbelievable. And I, I, I really want to... I really want to investigate it. So I, I made some lifestyle changes, which have been documented. And I, I set out with the intention to understand the, the causal nature of the experience after inhaling the potent substance. And obviously the influences working through my mind were the esoteric and occult philosophies, which I read, but I genuinely didn't know it, it, it was a Strassman rightly suspected. I, I didn't know it was 
a spiritual phenomena. All I thought is I'm smoking this stuff and it really looks like I'm I'm going to uh, another world, another realm. I'm I'm seeing impossible things. I just just can't explain it. So that that was the intention that I set off with after after quite a few experiments. Now in your book, you you are open about the fact you've done uh, you've probably done it six hundred times over the past three years. Do you first off two part question? Do you think that that has taken a piece of you, or do you think more has been added from doing it than been taken away? Because I can't oh. imagine, um, you know, you're, you know, that it's definitely a transformative thing that I think it definitely has an effect. I just want to know: is it all positive? Is there any negative, um, you know, to the whole situation? That is such a great question, and I would undoubtedly say far more has been added than taken away, far, far more. You've taken a huge amount away from my experiences with this substance. And, look, I mean, with the 600, you know, I I think some people have criticised me for for coming up with that number, and I I never set out to reach a number. I I just set out to, you know, research, and, and halfway through my first year, that kind of developed into writing a book and then after the first year I carried on to a second year and after the second year I carried on to a third year again throughout all that time not on social media not reading anybody else's trip reports just really getting involved in my own research and then at the end of it you know I, I wrote the book and I, I got to speak at um, breaking convention in London and I was lucky enough to get an interview with um, Vice you know and, and, and the guy asked me how, how many you know, how many times have you done it? And I, I counted them up and it was over six sizes. It's over 600 and that became the title. But it was never, ever about <laughs> creating a number. You know, I was like, I just want to understand what's going on. And, you know, I mean, and I'm not going to pretend that every one of those experiments was a success or a breakthrough. There was, you know, there were all kinds of things going on. You know, sometimes you smoke it, there's no interaction Sometimes you smoke a little and you're blown away at the extent of their interaction. Sometimes the crystals just lose their potency. And and there was a really strange month um, midway through where no matter what I did, the the crystals I produced just just did not work. And it's I I don't know. It's that was such a mystery. I don't know. But yeah, that's that that was it. But yeah, certainly far far more added. I I really think it's. Um, I think I've improved as a person, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still a human. I, I still got a dark aspect to my psyche as do sure. we all, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm far from perfect, but I think greatly improved my quality of life from my perspective. You know, I find, um, far more patient, far more conscious of the influences upon my, my psyche and far more aware of my relationships with, with people I know and even strangers. Injuries, you know, I consider that to be hugely important. So I've uh, never done it before, and I can speak to Maurice. I know he's never done it before. We have, when we were younger, we experimented a lot, obviously, with other psychedelics and stuff when when we were in our younger, uh, more virile days, but uh, I kind of tapered off. I mean, we, you know, I've smoked and stuff like that, but um, Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, what does it is there a tolerance build up like for instance you know when we were younger if you ate mushrooms one day the next day it would probably not do as much or little at all is it something that if you were to do it 
that the next day, like if you did it one day and then you did it the next day, is the next day going to be more intense or is, is it very or just seems to be no tolerance. So, you know, you, 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 you take it one day, it's intense. You, you take it the next day. It's intense. It's not that you need to double your dose or increase your dose. In fact, what I found, and this is just a suspicion, but it's one that I hold really strongly that the more frequently I did it, it, it almost seemed that some of these entities were, you know, like waiting for me. And, and, you know, when I was doing it regularly, there were occasions where I would just like take one pull of the pipe and lay back and, and God damn it, something was there. Yeah. It was like, it was just waiting for me. And there were, there were times and I, I have documented it in, in, in some of my experiments, which will be my second book, that, that the, there are times I'm sure I've been subliminally coaxed into undertaking a, an experiment when it really wasn't on my radar that day, you know, like, like one pole, 15 milligrams. And then, Oh my God, I'm so in the thick of it. You know, it's like, my God, that, that thing has put me in this situation. It's been waiting for me. You know, it's like sat above the top of the garden, you know, and, and I just one pull and then, Oh my God, what the hell is going on now? So yeah, Far from there being a tolerance, it seems that the more frequently you do it, I don't know, sometimes think people, entities are queuing up really to interact with you or even subliminally coaxing you into, you know, you sometimes you get a feeling, you know, you think, yeah, yeah, I could just, yeah, I feel I could, I could do some DMT right now. Like, my God. And ordinarily it's like, wow, oh, DMT, man, I know that's, that is the craziest thing in the world, man, I'm not touching that stuff, but huh. the, the paradox is, when you, you do smoke it, you know, you have for me personally, such an incredible experience, you know, I mean, I, I have I have laughed and cried with tears, I have had thrills and spills, like, I just cannot believe, you know, and it's so, sometimes overwhelmingly entertaining, and yet, next day you think, yeah, shall I smoke some DMT? Like, oh my God, no, that that stuff is crazy. And it's like walking to your own funeral, you know, when you've loaded the pipe. And that is such a paradox for something that's so entertaining. And I think, I think that really speaks to the heart of the the situation in that it, it's not it's not a substance where you are your mind is entertaining you. Something is interacting with you and interacting with you very powerfully and. Well, that that was what I I determined. You know, I mean, jury's still out. I guess I have to say. How do you feel physically the when you come down or the next day or whatever? No, I mean it's it's it's, it's this is why it's so unique. So you know, your experience maybe five, ten, you know, fifteen minutes is a push, and then you know there may be some long large lethargic yawns and I'm, I'm sure you, 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 your brain is saying my god you know, give me some oxygen oh, my god what was that give me some so you know you might have a series of really invigorating refreshing yawns you know you might lay out stretch you know, and feel then you feel like awesome I mean like, I, you know within half an hour you're great look I've smoked this stuff 30 minutes later I'm in the supermarket with my wife pushing a trolley around looking at people I'm thinking oh my god what I look at the what they have got no idea what I've just been doing, and it just the, the sort of juxtaposition, yeah. the contrast. You're like, oh my god! That's funny. But yeah, you know, it's it's not like it's certainly not like drinking. It's it's not like weed. You know, there's no kind of like acid hangover or come down. It, it 
I, I suspect that research will come to show that it is um, a natural component of our, our brain, produced in our brain. It's certainly a natural component of our biology. And it, it seems that the, the brain just gobbles this stuff up greedily. And, and once it's gobbled it up, it's gobbled it up. And you're, you're back to baseline, you're back to normal, albeit you're like emotionally, mentally, like, what the hell was that? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, there's a few ways to ingest it. There's obviously ayahuasca where you take a specific root and then they mix it with another root that's got the amino oxidase blocker for your uh, amino acids that uh, um, allow you to experience it in the Amazon. And then uh, you've also got um, the way that you're talking about where you can extract it through plants that have it within themselves. You know, I know acacia and... um, few different varieties of plants have high uh, content in it. And then there's another way, which, I mean, I don't know if you've seen Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia, but there's an episode where it's all about the Sonoran uh, Desert Toad, and that's 5-MeO-DMT, which is, mm. they say that's the most uh, intense. They do. Yeah. They, they, they do, and I've read some trip reports about that and that it does sound to be a little bit of a different beast i i mean i have some theories as to what's going on but i i i wouldn't really say and i've not had, i've not been fortunate enough to obtain any of that yet but I'm, it's certainly on my radar and if if it's meant to be then it will be yeah it's an interesting story too how the guy the guy ham on the episode of hamilton's pharmacopoeia he had the guy that discovered it by accident it was some dude that was just juice and toads he was like a um <laughs> he was just uh <laughs> like a wildlife guy kind of you know just checking out different stuff and i guess he squirted some on his finger and then touched a cigarette and then when he let, t- uh, lit the cigarette this thing just lit up and this guy was like a chemist too i guess so he understood i don't know if this guy was out there just juicing things looking for different reactions but so uh, that stuff that needs to hit a certain temperature to well you, what they do is I think that they juice this thing and then they dry it out and then smoke it. I think it's actually probably toxic if you just try and like you know the old lick the mm-hmm. toe thing. I think that's actually I think people die doing that. So that must have been where it came from though, huh? Uh probably. But I think that's the only Bufo alivarius, it's in uh, the Sonoran Desert. I think that's the only one that has it that we know of or whatever. I, I didn't know that story. That's such a cool story with, you know, that guy finding it like that. I will have to check out that episode. Yeah, That's yeah. It's, cool. yeah, yeah you, better, you better fact bust this guy, man. <laughs> you know, you know, the uh, the uh, Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia is a great show. I mean, anybody that's interested Ooh. in psychedelics like me, I don't really partake anymore. But when I was younger, I, you know, I took all, all the different stuff, you know, because um, I, I wanted to explore my mind, you know, when I was younger. Um, and just watching these people, you know, and there's some goofy people for sure. There's obviously people that are obviously out of their mind, you know, in some of the episodes, but, um, he does a good job of interviewing people and getting to like, you know, the root source of how these things came to be or who was the first person to synthesize or who, you know, so that's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a cool, um, take to like the whole chemical aspect and how it interacts with our bodies and the endogenous chemicals and stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah, that stuff can only go so far, though, because I read the electric Kool-Aid acid test like 20 times, and then when I finally took acid, I go, wow, that's what they're talking about. You can only perceive as much as you can until you actually partake in the substance to really find out what's going on. True, true. But I guess that's what's interesting for me, too, and why talking to you is fascinating. Even though I haven't done this before, I'm all about 
um, you know, hidden knowledge and ancient civilizations and all this stuff kind of comes full circle, all these different categories. It's weird. It's not just about drugs. It's about the past and, you know, even the future and what this could mean and what it maybe has meant in the past, you know? So what's interesting to me though, is the experience. Um, you know, I know people that have had near death experiences where these aren't people that lie or fuck around about shit. You know, they're, they're very intense people that, you know, I've talked uh, about some of these experiences and what I find is it seems like it's similar ish to a near death experience. I mean, I don't know, I guess, what would you say out of, you know, your experiences in your life, would this experience be most like, I know there's probably nothing really like it, but is it like a dream? Is it, you know, what, what would you compare it to? Um, some of the content is certainly dreamlike, the visual content. And, and what is remarkable is that it, it appears to, I mean, it's commonly said that, you know, it, it looks more real than real life. And that that's true. And I guess the best way to describe that to somebody who hasn't tried it is it's like, you know, like you get HD TVs, like 4K, and then you get 8K, and 8K is like far better than 4K. It's like a DMT experience. It's like, it's like, far more highly defined than just regular real life, you know. It, it's like it, a million K. It's, it's something. <laughs> it, it's a totally different frequency for sure, yeah. And, you know, that, that that's a really interesting aspect. So, yeah, there's certainly dream imagery, but, but there's a lot more going on, you know. I mean, you know, I, I smoked it, and then it's like when I say I, I, I'm convinced that I'm dead, it's like you're interacting with with hidden intelligences, you know, when I, when I say an entity, I'm, I'm talking about a mind without a body, you know, and these, these things, some of these things are incredibly powerful and, and they can interact with you in such a way that you are absolutely convinced that you are dead. There's no two ways about it. And, you know, I've had that two or three times called, you know, uh, the little death or classic little death. And, you know, it's very, it's very disconcerting to believe you're dead, you know, <laughs> even uh-huh. though you are, you know, but you're so convinced. And, and look, I mean, these, these entities, as, as, as I found, as I progressed, the experience has changed. And, and there were experiences that I had midway through and in, in the latter part of my research, which had they been among my first, there's no way I would have gone back to smoking DMT because, you know, I had read before I tried DMT, you know, that the more, the longer you take it, the weirder the experience has become. And, and that's, I found that to be certainly true, you know, that the experience has changed and sometimes changed dramatically. So these these entities can manipulate your psyche. They can operate within you invasively. And I'm conscious when I say that it sounds really spooky and like, oh, my God, you know, I wouldn't like that. But, uh, you know, if you, if you put your trust in these these entities, you know, they can just do so much. And it, it, it's, you know, I guess it does take some... Well, some trust and some courage and, and some commitment. But, yeah, you know, I mean what they can do is just just incredible beyond the pale i mean like, I, I i i've smoked and you know i i thought you know my mouth's been closed i thought my lips are sealed up i'm <laughs> sure of it you know and, I, and i've gone to open my mouth just just cannot open my mouth i'm talking sealed up from within you know i mean these entities same seem to be able to create this i call it a quasi physical substance which is you know uh, it, 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 you know it, 
can be within you. It can be within your oral environment. Have you ever and, felt like a physical thing within it? Like, have you touched one of these things or has one of them touched you and was there? Yeah. So, so, than- uh, uh, so I had this, this, one of my early experiences was in the bedroom. And I, I smoked, I think it was 35 milligrams. And within seconds, there's a whole circus performance in the bedroom. So I, I can see the bedroom, but within the bedroom, there are, individuals look like human beings doing all kinds of impossible things and behind me there's like you know you know the can can dance the, the you know with the yeah. legs going that, these that, ladies that, moving that, that, behind me doing the can can and they're all smiling <laughs> and all of a sudden i'm 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 laid on the bed my, my butt's on the mattress and it's like somebody touches my bum not in a sexual way, but it's like it's it definitely, you know. It's like, hey, yeah, somebody's just, and I'm in like I'm in this kind of like mesmeric state, and I want to speak, but it's like taking a lot of willpower to try and you know get my energy to speak, and I get to speak, and I, I and I do. I say, I know what you just did, and as soon as I say that, every individual performer within the room turns to look at me and smiles at me so yeah they they have this ability to operate quasi physically and other examples would be you know you smoke it you lay back and you know suddenly you feel like you've got this like little cube in your in your mouth and your tongue's trying to catch it you know you're trying to catch it you're trying to spit it out but you're never going to catch it you're never going to spit it out it's there but it's quasi physical and these entities are just you know it's able to toy with you in in such unusual and bizarre ways and and that's that's another experience another example would be smoke it outside you lay back it can start to maneuver itself under the the blanket so a portion of it will operate in this quasi-physical manner and and it's really spooky you know and the, the blanket's coming up and you're getting touched and it's like oh my god even in broad daylight you know it's spooky as hell what do you think the entities are? Oh, that is such a great question. And that's something that I am researching and, and aim to research and write about. So I considered, is it the, is it the jinn of Arabian mythology? Is it the, the divas of um, Hinduism and Buddhist um, theology? And, and I think, I think, you know, I know you look at, you can look at Gnostic um, philosophers and say, okay, well, is it the archons? You know, I mean, in, in terms of occult literature, there's a whole pantheon of entities that these could be. So it's like, Some I don't of those know, things it's, that like, you take, take too. it's like, take your pick, you know, it's, um, I don't know. Are, so they, good? Are, are they good, by the way? Because a couple of the things you just mentioned, like the archons are considered bad. Um, gin can be considered bad, I guess, depending on who you ask. Well, when I first started writing and I, I came to, there seems to be a certain class, I, I almost want to say species, but it just sounds so weird. But there seems to, seems to be this certain class of entity, which, which I found to be quite common. And I, I don't know what they are really, but I came to call them um, occult masters because they just seemed you know, incredibly powerful. I mean, wise, compassionate, clearly have a working knowledge of the human psyche and human physiology, without a doubt. And, you know, I mean, some of those things are just, just, I mean, terrifically powerful. But I don't know, it's like, I suspect maybe some kind of, 
I don't know, guardian for mankind, but I'm conscious in saying that, you know, it's like, oh, I could justify what you mean, and I, and I can't really, but they're somehow, they must somehow relate to us to have that, such a, a, an exquisite knowledge of our minds and our physiology. I, I guess they're evolving themselves in their own realm, but it seems to be some kind of relationship to humankind for sure. Do you think, um, okay, so a couple things. I've read, you know, I've watched a lot of movies on this. Um, people that seem genuine about their experiences and, like you say, trip reports and different things. A hmm. uh, couple things are um, people say that they see aliens or what they feel to be aliens. Um, I've heard even people associate that with abduction, you know, even though I think that's more sleep paralysis. Um, and then. There's also this whole machine elf thing and gestures or whatever, you know, there's different words that people use. But um, from somebody I talked to who, who did it said that these things kind of weave reality together. They take two different things, like almost like thoughts are entities and that these things are weaving these things together is what I was told, at least. I don't know. Possibly that's that's, that's quite metaphysical what i would say is that i i when i say i believe in gray aliens i don't believe in gray aliens in that they exist in that form in in a in an organic capacity but certainly that they have some there is some something out there some occult realm or occult entity or class of occult entities that that, that qualify or represent themselves as gray aliens for whatever reason on dmt i ain't ever seen these 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 dudes these gray aliens but for sure i spoke to some individuals who've you know tried dmt and tried it like for the first time the remote somebody tried it for the first time the remote location Oh my God, I mean, the story that she told me just just made my hairs bristle. I mean, yeah, for sure. She 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 had two or three grey aliens messing about, you know, with her her mind. You know, her, her memories were um, externalised, and they were offering her all kind. Of, it, just, it just sounded, I would like, I I don't want that kind of experience. I'm, I might end up with one, but yeah. So so that that I've never had that in terms of. I, I think with machinals. I think I think McKenna was referring to these, you know, you smoke DMT, it looks like you're in this <clears throat> different world, different realm, and, and there might be all kinds of mischievous-looking beings like get caught tykes or, or, or jesters, and I've seen jesters and I've seen clowns. I think I suspect McKenna was talking about these, but these, these for me, <clears throat> these are not the entities. These are... These are... Um, the, we, these are fragments of the mind that's interacting you. So he's, for me, you smoke DMT, it amplifies your consciousness, which changes your setting very powerfully, seems to attract, that seems to serve as a signal which attracts one of these entities. It imposes upon you powerfully, it, it, it mesmerizes you. And I choose that word carefully, carefully because in occult literature, to be mesmerized means that something overcomes you or somebody overcomes you with, with the power of their will and fascinates you. So these entities, they impose their will. You end up in a partially mesmeric state. They've as good as temporarily melded their mind into your amplified mind. And then, you know, 
you are seeing all sorts, but really you, you're seeing whatever they want to show your your mind, whether it's machine elves or clowns or jesters or a circus performance or or landscapes or vistas or whatever. So I, I never try and work out what the visions mean. I came to determine that, you know, something's imposing its mind upon my mind, and for sure that can make it look like you have gone to another realm and they're able to do things like so i I smoke in the bedroom and it looks like i feel like i'm on a conveyor belt i can feel this conveyor belt rippling under me and i'm moving along through this space and i'm seeing all this crazy stuff and really i'm i'm in the bedroom you know if you come in you're just going to see me laid there on the bedroom floor but to my mind, in its interaction with this, this powerful entity, it's showing me all this stuff. And more so, it's using that quasi-physical ability to that, that it has to, to ripple beneath my back. And for sure, it feels like I'm on a conveyor. The, you know, I mean, the illusion is so convincing, but it is an illusion. It's not that I've gone to another world and I've been placed onto a conveyor belt. You know, it's, that's, that's why I determined anyway. I... I I, I do remain open-minded, and I'm always interested in other people's theories and interpretations, but that's that's kind of what I arrived at. So you don't think that your dulling senses or like when you drink, how you know you pollute your mind, you think that you're tapping into something else. You don't think that this stuff is coming from within? Well, it starts from within because it has to start from within. Uh, you know, I mean, you smoke the DMT and there's a hell of a reaction. You are uh, unlocking some seriously latent powers, you know, and you hear that, you know, that in the midst of your head, you know, from from the pineal region of your brain, I mean, there's this almighty sound and its frequency and its intensity just builds and builds and builds and, oh, my God. And then, I mean, within seconds, and over time I I came to be able to determine when the entity arrived. I I could actually feel its arrival and that that will arrive and that will impose upon you as i say it it, it can put you into a a mesmeric state within seconds i mean you know sometimes it seems almost instantaneously and you know i've been in the bedroom and i smoke lay back and the entity comes and it imposes upon me powerfully and then it's like my eyes are like in they're open eye i'm open eyed but my eyes are like flitting around the room like it's like open eye rapid eye movement, you know, it, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's very peculiar. So that's interesting. You say that because we know, obviously when you dream, you've, you're going through rapid eye movement um, mm. and to touch on the DMT thing. So obviously, you know, we know DMT is produced in the lungs and in the brain or in the lungs and in, uh, in the brains of rats, they can't really prove it in the brain or pineal gland in human humans unless we tap into a live human which i mean who's gonna let that happen i mean maybe in yeah some other weird country or something they'll allow it to happen but so they've tapped they've tapped into dead humans and there's nothing there well i mean no i think it's something that's produced yeah while somebody's alive alive. right right i don't don't think there's a way to prove it after the fact um Mm. but my question to you is these entities is it more of a feeling or is it Ooh, are, no, you see, are you seeing the entity or what, what's the experience like? Is it something that, and is it something that you remember vividly when you're done? 
Well, it, it, it's okay. Let's come back to whether we remember it vividly. So, first part of your question was: Is it obvious with these entities? So, to begin with, no, I had no idea what was going on. I, I, I thought for sure, man, it looks like I'm going to another place, and this place looks more real than this place. You know, it, it's so hyper defined, hyper defined, hyper vivid. I was like, okay, so then I start to question, well, if I am going to another place, how do I get halfway there? And that kind of got me messing about with, with lower doses, you know, let, let me see where the threshold is to get to this place. And it was from the, those kinds of inquiries where I came to determine that, you know, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Something is, something's coming to me. Um, and then in terms of, um, okay, in terms of how vivid it is, over time the experience has changed. As I say, it became less about the visual content and these beings started to operate more invasively. I mean, you're having to subject yourself to, I mean, some some terrific energies. And I mean, just, you know, they're going to make you cry, these things. Are you going to come out of these experiences crying because the energy that is imposed upon you t to get within you invasively is just it's off the scale. Uh, it, I mean, the the air within the room just feels solid, like solid stone, you know, but it's not air. It, it's the mind of these beings, you know, it, it reaches such a frequency that it, it, it at once feels solid as stone and yet all pervading. It, it can pass through anything. So that, that for me, is, is beyond a doubt. It's not that I'm imagining it. And I, and I spoke to some people, and some people say, oh, yeah, these, um, they're, what is it? Oh, tactile hallucinations. I'm like, what the hell, man? No way are these tactile hallucinations. For God's sake, man, I, I, my psyche is being manipulated. I am being wrung, a series of emotions have been wrung out of my mind from, like, cries out to the universe to extreme surprise to to just uh you know i mean extremes of emotions being wrung out of me there's no way that this is my mind alone and you know I, I, what, what 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 happened is after i got about midway through my three years the the visions the illusions the hallucinations whatever you want to call them they they stopped and and, and even now it's like if i i smoke dmt i'm not seeing those those clowns, those jesters, those machine elves, those those entities, those constructs of the mind that's interacting with me. If I smoke it, the room will will become crystal clear from my own amplified consciousness, and then I can actually feel the arrival of the entity. And 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 now there's no illusions, there's no hallucinations. You you just basically within the the mind of the entity, and and that can be evident as a a crystal clear medium, or it can be evident as, I mean, how could I describe these things? Like, you know, like you get like flower discs and they're like, the geometry is beautiful. I mean, something like that, but vast. I mean, filling your garden and, and having thousands upon thousands of geometrically perfect, symmetrically perfect cells, but being transparent and yet clearly visually evident to you. I mean, these are just beautiful examples of occult nature. And out of all my experiences, those 
remain for me the 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 most significant, the most I don't know rewarding because it, it's so obvious when you see those entities in that fashion that my God, you know that we we're just. I don't know. We're down here on Earth, and oh my God, the sky looks empty. But really, it's it's just full of stuff like an ocean. It's just like an occult ocean, full of incredible stuff. And DMT gives us an ability to at least interact with some of those intelligences on a one-to-one basis. I'll be so briefly. I'll be briefly and profoundly. Sorry. Yes. I was going to ask you. Uh, do you believe in an afterlife? Yeah, I, I do, and that that I'd say that stems more from my early childhood, where I, I had um, you know several classic o, OBEs, and I mean you know I was like three or four years old, uh, going on five six, and you know I had several classic OBEs through through just through fighting sleep, you know the, the transition fascinated me, being awake, being asleep, and. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, at a young age, that that convinced me that there's something within me that can remain active and conscious and alive outside of my body while my body's asleep. I mean, I I was passing through, you know, solid wooden doors in the house and and just moving around the house exactly as the house would have been had I been awake. So yeah, I, got, I, I, I yeah. like I like that approach, man. But next time someone asks me, I'm gonna go, "Hey, asshole, do you do you move around in your dreams?" I mean, explain <laughs> that shit. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I'm so based on that, yeah, I, and then sort of based on DMT, you know, it, it can only really augment and 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 you know, I kind of give more, I don't know, more certainty to that that kind of thinking, those kinds of considerations. But I know it's it's still. I don't know. It's it's not scientifically accepted. You said right. something uh, interesting to me um, about how you don't really see those visuals anymore. Um, mm. My th- when I've seen the videos on the machine elves and the jesters and all that, my first thought was these people reached some sort of um, a barrier, a wall, and these things are trying to prevent the- them from either seeing what's on the other side, almost like an unveiling or um, like you shouldn't be here kind of a thing, you know? Um, And I've seen weird stuff in meditation too, not necessarily like that, but other weird things. Um, And once you get past those things, there's a whole, you know, I don't know if it's astral projection or whatever, but I've, you know, meditated for up to two, three hours before where it's gotten pretty intense. Um, So my, my thought is, or do you think that first you're not seeing these things anymore because they these entities know you now and they know um, this guy's not just taking the shit. This guy's trying to figure something out. Like, have you ever uh, had that feeling? Or that's that's such a great question. So, okay, I I mean for sure there were there were some real standout experiences which really tested me, and I think. You know, I mean, I, I can, the, the, I can, I speak to people and they say, oh, I've had this experience. I'm never going back again. And I, I've had experiences where I think, Jesus Christ, I don't think I should be doing this. I don't think I should be going back. So to give an example, you know, you smoke it, you're on the, the, the bedroom floor, this, this thing's, it's inside you. You can feel its quasi-physical um, presence around you, your trachea or within your windpipe and everything seems fine, and then slowly it, it slowly starts to stymie your breathing, you know, and, and, and you know, it, it, 
over a few minutes gets to a point where you're on the verge of panic and you think you know you think you're going to die you think this you're going to die and nobody's going to be able to work out how you died you know nobody's going to realize it was misadventure through dmt you you genuinely do fear for your life and i think you know if, if you manage to go back after those it seems to be like the the experience after that then is great you know it's like oh my god i've got a reward now for going back you know that was awesome but the one before it jesus man if that had been like my first experience there's no way no way i i I would have gone back and you know i made no bones about it when i was interacting with these entities i would make it clear that i was writing a book and i would beseech their help and you know I'd, I'd do it through i don't know i'd try and do it psychically or, or just even verbally or sometimes through sign language and there are times when you know it felt like the message was heard and heeded and understood and, and there were other times when i was in the presence of such incredible entities such an incredible intelligence I, I felt an absolute fool a real little human fool but yeah so, i i i've I, I started to suspect go on do you i'm sorry yeah do you do you i know you just kind of mentioned it for a second but do you communicate with them like is there any sort of um you know like psychic you know like they're putting you said that they've put thoughts in your head but is there any back and forth like is there any you know, like, could you ask them a question or is it just not like that? It's just something completely different. No, it's not. It's not really like that. So I've had experiences where I, I've smoked it and, you know, it's like it's about to like you, you're going to appear to be in their realm. And there's all different human like entities welcoming you. And you hear this like, hooray, this shit like McKenna said, you know, it's like, hooray. But it's not like audible to your ears. It's like it's more it's more mental energy than sound energy. It's like, you know, it's, it's audible to your mind rather than your ears. There was one, there was one, one comes to mind, one experience where, and it was a bit silly of me. I thought, ah, it'll be fun to smoke some DMT and, and sit on the bed and look in the mirror. Hmm. And my first, my first mistake was to say, yeah, my first mistake was to say, it'll be fun because it's <laughs> not in my, it's not in my gift to determine what's going to be fun or not in a DMT experience. So that was my first. So anyway, I went ahead and, and smoked this and, and, oh my God, the experience just, it just, it was a bad idea, man. And, and then <laughs> behind me, and I mean, this was crystal clear. It was behind my right ear, just about 10 centimeters away from my right ear. And I, I was having, I was struggling. And this voice just said really clearly and, and, and like, Oh, no, I just said, stay where you are. And he said it in such a menacing manner. And I, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, 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 that was not such a good experience. But, yeah, so that, that, but in terms of audibility, that really stood out, you know, stay where you are. Jesus. But other than that, it, it seems to be telepathic. You know, they can certainly... Um, make images appear within your mind I, i've had that and there was one where i was on um, a hillside and i'd taken i had some belongings with me and i, I put them down aside me and you know i smoked dmt and this entity is interacting with me and i got sunglasses on and the entity was when i say it's community I, I i considered i said these 
I'm in the experience, thought these sunglasses are a hindrance. And then the end, just like it was communicating in like, I don't know, a multitude of sentences, remove the glasses, the glasses are hindrance, these are not helping. It was just, it was just overwhelming. And I took the glasses off and yeah, I mean, you know, I see this ethereal, transparent, but geometrically beautiful entity, you know, it's such, such a sight. And, and even then, as the experience is going on towards the back, the latter end of that experience, it, it somehow communicates to me, don't forget your belongings when you've gone. But it's not verbal. It's, I don't know, it's, it's like it puts something to you and your own inner voice understands and intuits it. And it's your own inner voice that hears or understands don't forget your belongings when you go and that that was i don't know that was impressive but it seems to be more thought transference and psychic rather than you know verbal discourse i have a theory um you know so we were talking about aliens and machine elves and all these different things ghosts or paranormal or entities um from my studying and looking at you know, all sorts of different esoteric stuff and ancient civilization stuff and religions and all sorts of different things. Um, I've kind of had a thought more than once that maybe all these things that we're experiencing are all the same thing and it's just manifesting itself into whatever your mind can handle or whatever. Maybe there's something built into, a, you know, the archetype st- structure in your mind. Um, you know, if you watch a bunch of alien stuff, uh, maybe this thing was geared towards, you know, coming to you as an alien. Or if you watch ghost stories, maybe it'll be a ghost, you know. So that's kind of been my recent school of thought with all that kind of stuff. That's um, it's a good point. It's a good topic for discussion. Um, so I was in contact with a, a um, chap over in the Netherlands. And, you know, he, he, in terms of DMT experiences, he was well above 600, shall we say. He was far more huh. experienced than me. And, and I thought we, we'd have a lot in common. But, no, he said, no, it's, um, there's no entities. It's, it's, it's all in your mind, you know. And um, these experiences that you've explained to me, he said, you know, it's tactile hallucinations. And I was aghast that he could say such a thing. And, and he justified that it was all in his mind because he said that if he focused on something over two or three days and then went smoke DMT, whatever he'd focused on would, would manifest within his experience. And I thought, okay, well, that's really interesting. But as much as he's poo-pooing that I'm, you know, interacting with entities and they have this quasi-physical ability to impose upon me i suggested to him that it could be that the entity is still engaging with him but it's just indulging him in in terms of what he's focused on within the last two or three days i don't know it's interesting i would say that i think what our eyes can't see the occult realms the occult kingdoms are far far more diverse than we possibly can imagine so what can we perceive like five percent of the universe or less than five percent i think is what the number is of like all the different rays and in spectrum and everything yeah okay i know what you're referring to yeah i mean it's such a thin slice of that and that's the electromagnetic spectrum it's such a thin slice but i mean in terms right. of spiritual realms uh mental realms divine realms i i just think it's i so i mean you see on earth the diversity 
and the extent of nature. I mean, it's just incredible, you know, on land, within the oceans, and then you've got obviously microorganisms and a whole plethora of, of life, plant life, insect life. And I suspect hidden from our eyes, it, it's equally as diverse and probably dizzyingly far more so. And, you know, I mean, with DMT, okay, we're interacting with some high energy beings, and I'm sure there's a lot that are, are too high even to bother with us. And equally, I'm sure that there's a lot that are far lower. Uh, but, you know, um, I don't know. I, I, I suspect there's a whole population and, and kingdom or kingdoms out there, and it's just, just hidden from our hidden from our our eyes. Whether it will always remain that, because, you know, with, with the cult philosophy, it, it gives a very different account of mankind's history, and it proposes a very... Um, different uh, evolution. You know, I, I think we're supposed to be at a midway point now where we've, our spirit or the human spirit has, has sunk, sunk and as far as it can into materiality. And now, now we're on the ascending arc, moving back towards spirituality, but it, it's going to be aeons on aeons, which translates to millions and millions of years. Uh, you know, it's a slow and gradual process and, I'm sure there'll be some teething problems along the way. Are you familiar oh. with the Urantia papers? With what, sorry? The Urantia papers. Oh, okay, yeah. So I think I know these, and I think this is one of the channeled books which are in terms of in terms of depth and breadth on par with the religion. Would that be right? Yeah, it's uh yeah, it was channeled in the nineteen twenties. What happened was there was this guy, Dr. William Sadler, who was kind of a debunker, uh, and he would go around, you know, to religious things and demonic possession and kind of debunk all these things as being some sort of biological manifestation or some sort of psychological disorder. But then one night the lady that lived next door to him or down the street or something came to him and said, My husband's talking in his sleep. Um mm. and when they got there he had been saying all sorts of like organized crazy shit about yeah like God and religion and the structure mm. of the universe and everything like that. Yeah, I I know it and I know the story. I think there's I think there's another book uh you know of a, a similar nature to that. And I mean for sure, I mean, you know, it's clearly something of a higher nature interacting through an individual and, and, and producing a book in modern times, which seems to be on par with, with, with some of the, you know, religions that, that, that people adhere to. I mean, it's just fascinating, really fascinating. It's certainly not the product of the mind of a man alone. Yeah. Or a man in my, in, my, in, my, in my opinion, anyway, in my opinion, I, I, I wouldn't like to yeah. sit down and think, right, I'm, I'm going to knock out a, a book of, I don't know, a huge book that, that talks of cosmogony and, and all kinds of, I just, no, nah, I'm not, I can't do that. Yeah, for the nth <laughs> detail, too. I, mean, I, will, I, I will recommend, though, um, yeah. the Urantia papers are on YouTube, and you can just listen to them. So if you're, like, doing work or you're just sitting yeah. on your board, it's fun to listen to because I think it brings a whole different perspective. Um, you know, imagine um, uh, another perspective. You know, have you ever heard of the book Flatland? by uh, yeah, Edwin yeah, Abbott. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so like imagine, you know, there's 1D world, 2D world, 3D world. You know, we're living in the 3D world and we can perceive the 2D and the 1D. Imagine if there's infinite dimensions and, you know, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, 
that's kind of the sense I get from the Arantia papers in terms of like mm-hmm. all the, the metaphysical realms and different things like that. But I was just curious because, um, you know, like we explained too, you know, if this guy, you know, channeled it while he was sleeping and his pineal gland was activated, let's say there is DMT being mm-hmm. released, maybe that there's some, some sort of connection there. Mm. Maybe. I mean, you know, it, it seems some individuals just seem singled out for you know kind of otherworldly experience whether it's a dmt induced or, or not you know um you know what was the um was it john smith and the uh, the golden tablets oh yeah the, mormonism you know, I mean, you know, yeah. yeah you know i mean I, I i don't know but yeah it's it's um strange things i thought you know so certainly some strange strange things going on and and you know with with these dimensions i think it's the case that we are extremely limited you know i mean we're in physical bodies and you know we're limited to you know um senses and you know there's just so much out there that that we can't see because i know we're housed in the flesh at the moment you know it's 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 our our perception is is limited what what have you taken away from this um, is the most important message um, from all of your experiences and all your experience beforehand and now how you feel after like what is the one thing that you take away from it that you're being like that you feel is like this is it this is what you know I started you know this whole thing for uh, that Terence McKenna was on the money when he said this is big news and why isn't everybody talking about it and and that you know this is it. This stuff will change and shape and impact our culture, our society, and, and dare I say, even our science. It it has to. It's just such a big thing. It's It represents uh, the beginnings of a change from a materialistic philosophy to a, a, a spiritual philosophy, or certainly considerations moving towards that. This is huge, and it's just so fascinating that it arrives at this juncture in Western culture, Western society, where, was it Dawkins who killed God, and all a whole host of spirit-deadening philosophies have, have killed the wonder of what it means to be a human and be alive, not just on Earth, but in this maddeningly vast and complex and mysterious universe. It represents the, for me, I don't know, a reignition of, of wonder. It, it has to do, you know, it, it can't be. I'm, I'm not out there saying it needs to be legalized and available on the high street. I'm not saying that. But I was going to ask you that. Don't ask me about legalities, please. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I think it's put, a, put it in the water, man. It's a very powerful substance, and you know, used as a tool. But it, yeah. it you know, I think only the most advanced psychonauts should at least tamper with it. You know, like I don't think that anybody off the street, if you told them what it was and they they True. wanted to do it, should be able to do it because I think it is that powerful. I mean, I'm not saying True. don't try it if you know what you're doing. I'm saying if you have no idea what you're doing, maybe look into it, maybe do research. Don't just 
do something because your friend handed it to you or whatever. Oh, but for sure. I mean, look, I mean, look, I started out, I oh my God, this stuff is powerful. And then you keep going, you keep going, and, and then you get an experience like, Jesus Christ, that is way more powerful than I, I thought. You know, I, I thought I was doing pretty well, but my God, I feel like I'm back to square one now. And you go on and go on. And I mean, and, and, and even now I say, I don't think I scratched the surface, but you can have some experiences that are just, I mean, impossibly immersive and profound and and they will shake you to your core shake you to your dna you know so yeah it's certainly not for everybody but it does beg questions about well you know is it the birthright of a human being to actually experience something that's spiritually spiritual and direct you know i mean is it the case that we should just all go to church on Sunday and and read a book about the spiritual dimension of life? Or is it the case that we as human beings should be able to have direct experience of that and then be, you know, utterly convinced? Well, that's of what the, the church other. wants. The church wants to be that medium, you know, with the priests and the structure. And, you know, that's how they make money and that's how they stay alive is being that medium between those two realms, you know, but you kind don't know it. I, I grew up Roman Catholic and, um, you know, I, I respect the way that, you know, I was raised and, and I mm-hmm. loved it in a certain sense because it would give me morals and a good foundation. Um, mm-hmm. But once I started to learn more, I'm like, there's a lot of mm-hmm. bullshit here. Um, there's yeah. a lot of hypocrisy and there's a lot of disgusting behind the scenes shit. Um, so um, for me, I'm personally spiritual now. You know, I believe in God and, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But I don't think he's some dude with a beard in the sky. You know, he could be... Oh, Oh, yeah. Pure energy or some center point or, you know, origin, you know, it doesn't have to be some physical being, yeah. you know. Uh, probably, it's, I don't know, something like a vast supraconscious intelligence and, and we're in its midst and, and of it and from it, but no, it not. I, I, I don't know. I, I was raised in a, a sort of Christian family. You know, my mum was Christian and my dad was agnostic. And, you know, I mean, it's a little bit cheeky and naughty of me, but, you know, in, in terms of being raised partially Christian, it's now valid to ask in terms of the DMT experience, what would Jesus do? <laughs> I think I think, I think, think he'd say, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> he'd smoke a He's like, let's, let's take yeah, some of this and talk know. to the Father yeah, here. Let's do that. You know, I, mean, I mean, you know, and there, is, and, and there are some great books that, out there, uh, you know, I mean, I think the psychedelic gospels, I'm, I must confess, I keep promising to buy it. I've not bought it yet, and it's been recommended to me. And there are other books out there that sort of point towards there being um, certainly a far more psychedelic element to uh, ancestry and to some of these shapeshift, um, you know, shakers and movers of religions having access to these entheogens and using these entheogens. And I think these arguments are. Uh, uh, absolutely valid um yeah do you think um that uh this whole thing do you think that some of this stuff goes on um you know behind the scenes with some of these you know people trying to contact the other side or do you think that this is something that you know obviously your books you know my occult mind but do you think that other occult practices this is a tool or i mean i don't you know because i don't i've studied a lot of like you know other stuff about this kind of subject but 
Um, I feel like there's maybe some sort of, besides the people underground using it, I, I see a lot of people doing it, but I don't really see a lot of application of it, you know? That's a great question. So in, in terms of like mediums that profess to contact the dead, I don't, I certainly don't think they're using it. And I think they'd probably be frightened of using it. And I, and I don't think they're contacting spirits of, of dead. I think, think they're, I don't know, communicating with what would be known in occult lore as astral shells. So I think they're certainly doing something, but I don't think it's what they think is or what they say it is, you know, and, and, and there are lots of, stories that are testament to some pretty bizarre results that they can achieve and, the, and and they achieve those because they genuinely are interacting with something but it's certainly not dmt beings i suspect it's astral shells that that's certainly my understanding from my research the other the wider part of the question and i love that because it's something i wonder is are other people occultists using this and i, I dmt to interact with occult entities and I don't believe that they are. I think there's a whole bunch of occultists out there practicing, and, and that's not something I've ever done. So when I talk of an interest in the occult, I, 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 don't, I don't practice as such in terms of the traditional method. Um, but I do think that they do achieve results. But for me, there's nothing more... There's nothing more... No more powerful a way to interact with these entities than through DMT. And I suspect there is something of a disconnect between traditional occult practitioners practicing traditional methods. And I'm sure in some manner they are interacting with these intelligences. But really with DMT, you, you, can, you can turn that all the way up to 11 and beyond because that is really going to give you some exceedingly powerful interaction with some exceedingly powerful beings and, and whether they have an influence in your life beyond the experience, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, it's certainly in terms of the change I feel that I've undergone and I'm undergoing, then I suppose I would have to say yes. Do you think, uh, have you ever actually considered talking with um, like an Amazonian shaman um, who's done it as many times as you? I know you said you talked to the guy in the Netherlands, but it seemed like he didn't really have anything productive-ish to say, almost like I, he almost took a reduction. It sounded like he was taking a reductionist scientific view of the whole thing. No, I haven't, and, and it's probably a good idea to confess at this point that I, I have never drunk ayahuasca. So I'm, I'm, I'm a working-class guy with a family in a semi-detached in London, and... I can't be drinking ayahuasca when I got a wife and two little boys running oh, yeah, around, purging purging in, in the garden. Yeah. You know, I, and 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 kind of in terms of going to the Amazon, for one, I can't afford it, and two, I would feel really outside my setting. So I'm probably going to try it at some point. I'm probably going to try ayahuasca, which is you know, it's a, a variation, shall we say, on ayahuasca in terms of ingesting. DMC Did you say pharmawaska? Pharmawaska, yeah. So that, that that's an MAOI and a, and a, a capsule gotcha. of DMT. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm, I'm probably. But in terms of speaking to a shaman, no, and I'm not sure I would. I don't think I would benefit from that. And I know that probably sounds conceited of me, but I, what I see happening is that these medicines, these tools, they are 
transferring from these tribes to the West, uh, a point in our history when it seems necessary for it to do so. And I think the the philosophy of the shamans, I think it's jungle-based, I think it's tribal-based, and I would rather just run as I have been doing with a kind of a cult and an esoteric interpretation from a, a purely Western point of view. And that's no way to, to discredit or disrespect the shamans. I do have views about, you know, some of these ayahuasca ceremonies that are popping up and people are paying a lot of money to experience DMT and, you know, okay, fair enough to some extent, but I, I kind of feel that some people are profiteering from, you know, oh, yeah, these they're, char- they're charlatans for sure. Uh, mm. There's a great documentary called The Last Shaman. It's on uh, mm-hmm. Netflix. Um, and you kind of see them all waiting outside. Like when you first get into town, they're all lined up trying to mm. push their shit on people. And the guys, the whole premise of the movie is the guys trying to find, um, a real shaman, you know, which is actually a lot harder to find these days than mm. um, would would appear. But uh, the only reason why I mentioned that is because maybe there's somebody that's done it, you know, like I, like similar amounts of times or more times than you that has some sort of um, different insight into the matter. But one more question I have for you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an old myth, you know, they say that when you're born and when you die, your body releases DMT. Um, do you think that is the case? And then if that's the case, do you think it's some sort of chemical gateway maybe to another realm or? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. That's, that's Strassman's hypothesis that, you know, you, when you're born, you, you're, you, when you have a, a natural birth, a baby, you know, it has um, this flood of, of DMT, pineal DMT, and, and at death you have this, flood of of pineal dmt and i suspect that hypothesis is true but i suspect there's far more going on because you know i've smoked you know quite a bit of dmt and i've never had a a classic obe as i used to do as a child it's very different so i suspect there is some validity in that but i suspect it's far more mysterious than than medically we'll ever be able to to show I don't know. I suspect occult, esoteric, metaphysical arguments are out there and, and will develop as as these, as people, you know, take a genuine interest in into into DMT and to these states. Uh, I, I think you know uh, it, it can only augment the existing esoteric and occult philosophies that the that the West have available. All right, Dick Khan, everybody. Do you have any more questions, Kevin? No, man, Maurice. I learned a lot, though. Kevin Maurice. <laughs> um, all right, uh, Dick, well, this was amazing. Uh, we'll, we'll have you back on again, and I'm going to start. Yeah, thanks you for know. coming. Yeah, I'm going to finish yeah, the book go, go, here. Go. I, I really enjoyed it. Obviously, always super nervous before an interview, but, yeah, i got to say I really, really enjoyed that. So thanks a bunch. No problem. Like I said, we'll Anytime. try and get you back on here, and this was amazing, and we look forward to any future work and any future insights. Thank you very much, guys. Take care. Cheers. Bye.